Welcome back to The Shelves Oddities. I'm Serafina. And I'm Ambie. And the oddity that I'm feeling like today is, it's like a pumpkin spice latte that was given to you by a demon. Mm. And the intentions were made very clear. You know, if you drink this latte, terrible things are going to happen. Um, but I'm drinking the latte. I'm embracing oh. fall, and I'm letting it happen. And, you know, whatever black magic things happen, I'm here for it. Um, I will tell people my oddity in a second. I actually saw a meme the other day. Okay. I think I screenshot it. Let me see if I can find it. Cinnamon for protection, nutmeg for luck, clove for prosperity and friendship, ginger for balance and clarity. Pumpkin spice lattes are potions already. Love it. I love it because they're just amazing. They're just the best things. And I'm going to drink it. Ever. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, the oddity I'm feeling like today is just like a really nice brown crunchy leaf that you have to step on but unfortunately when you go to step on it it just teleports you to the back rooms oh shit because i'm feeling like fall but i feel a little spooky you know like a little a little alter university Uh and i'm loving that yeah i like that like that a lot so today's episode is our first episode of odd october woohoo I am so pumped. This is our season, babies. This is it. This is what we live for. This is what we live for all day, every day. I'm just counting down to when I get to this point right here. We just had the fall equinox, so we're officially in fall, and it's beautiful. I'm so excited. I love that we started talking about pumpkin spice lattes from the beginning because I am the most average white bitch there is out there. (laughs) But I actually used to order something. I wasn't going to say I don't like pumpkin spice lattes. I do. But I actually ordered something different that didn't used to be on the menu. And now it's on the menu this year. And I'm feeling very seen by our Starbucks overlords. I am the uh, pumpkin foam on the ice chai latte girl. Yeah, it's so good. It's my favorite. Anytime we go anywhere with the Starbucks, me and Dave split a big one and we just drink it and do our shopping. And it just is so lovely and it's so nice. And I am, it definitely helps feel the fall vibes. We both were talking about the weather before we started this because that's what adults do, I guess. I don't know. But um, <laughs> we're both still just in a little bit of heat. And a little bit of humidity. Well, I'm in the humidity, but it's a little still gross. And we're both ready for it to feel like fall. And yeah. uh, the the ice chais, they're really helping. They're, they're well, helping the spirit. And I've been branching out just a little bit. Um, okay. I've been getting the cold brew with the pumpkin foam on top. If I want oh. that like real coffee taste, that's very good. And then also the apple crisp oat milk macchiato, I think it's called. I haven't tried that one yet. Very good. I like it okay. a lot. But nothing beats the PSL. But what I want to switch up a little bit, I've been, I've been going. And I do get the chai. I get the chai when I want to just feel super. This is going to sound so. But when I want to feel super cozy in fall, mm-hmm. I just yep. get the chai. I get the pumpkin chai and it's amazing. Yep. That's and that's what I'm saying. It helps the spirit, it soothes the soul, gives you that feeling, that ambiance that we also desperately need that serotonin. <laughs> Agreed. So, do you have anything else that now that we're in this season, you're cooking up in the kitchen? Like, what's your fall kitchen Dude. look like? Yeah, okay. So, real quick, I just want to give a very, very brief little um to all the oddlings uh, who listen to this episode. I recently have acquired a creature of the void. Mm-hmm. I got myself yeah. a black cat for the first time. I have been. <laughs> 
wanting a black cat for years. I was at PetSmart the other day, just getting my cat Sasha some food. And lo and behold, I walk past like the little area where they have cats up for adoption. And there is the Humane Societies there. And there is this black boy cat who's like a year old. His name is Binks. And I always said I would name my black cat Salem. But then like mm. Binks was so cute and perfect. And it's just, it's perfect. I know it's basic, but it's perfect. And no, he so jumps cute. on the glass and just starts meowing at me. Which should have been a sign for things that have come. But um, <laughs> I was just like, okay, you're adorable. Tell me why I thought it'd be such a difficult adoption process. They said, is it going to be an inside cat? I was like, yeah. And they were like, um, do you have any dogs? I was like, no. Okay. And they just approved me. I was like, oh shit, I'm really leaving with the cat today. Um, all of that to say, you know, the ADHD urge to tell an entire backstory before you can get to a point. <laughs> um, all of that to say, if you guys hear growling, hissing, or meowing, that is my two cats trying to adjust to each other. They won't deal with being separated like they're not down to be separated but they're also not down to be together it's very confusing so the whole like you know keep them in one part of the house with the door closed that did not work they did not like that you so, tried you did give it the college effort i don't want anyone to think that you have not worked your ass off to make sure they've had a good interaction and in, in meeting each other you've done a lot a lot of work there a lot of emotional labors the amount of texts i've got what do you think this means what is this like (laughs) you love these cats so much i'm so excited for you especially after your experience with the rescues and stuff that you had gone through like i am i'm so happy for you what a sweet baby they will figure it out cats are little finicky bitches and we love them (laughs) no for sure and like and they haven't fought well they fought once but it was for it was very brief but no now she just like he says if he comes too close to her, but otherwise they just vibe and exist. But I just, you know, if anybody hears any crazy noises, I wanted to just kind of <laughs> it's let not you an guys illegal in on what's going on there. Cat fight club. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, back to the fall kitchen. So fall time of year is my favorite like cooking season. I spent like I cook a lot. Cooking is mm-hmm. my thing. I cook a lot of Southern Comfort. I like cooking classical French and I like cooking um Cajun. Southern mm-hmm. comfort shines so much during like fall and winter time. It's all I make. <laughs> and I am having a blast. So my comfort meal, my most favorite thing ever, nothing makes me happier. It's a bowl of chicken and dumplings. It has to be mm-hmm. done correctly, but it's a bowl of chicken and dumplings. That's one of um, your besties. And, dude, it's so good. Mm-hmm. I have made them twice in the past week and a half, like a pot of chicken <laughs> and dumplings. I probably eat it for like three to four days, and then I'll like I'll have some other things in between, and then it's like boom, pot of chicken. And like, what am I doing when I get off this podcast? I'm eating a pot of chicken and I'm going to eat a bowl of chicken and dumplings. Hell yeah! <laughs> um, I love doing that. I love soups. Soups and stews are just my favorite. I love making like chili. Chili's so good. I don't. Oh, I know chili. it's meat soup. It is, but it's it's everything. It. Yeah, um, it's I make so this, nice like... to have a non soup hater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder if like Erie is like um, her senses are like prickling right now. Yeah, and she's just like definitely. it's water, <laughs> it's water, it's water and vegetables. It's not yeah. food. <laughs> <laughs> um, I make this really really good um, like vegan vegetable stew that is amazing with like grilled cheese, which I know defeats mm. the vegan, but I don't care. Vegan um, cheese. Yeah. Uh, no, never. Ew, that stuff's terrible. <laughs> it is bad. I'm just saying, if you are <laughs> vegan, you can still do it. Um, I love making uh, like classic um, French beef 
I can never say that word, Borgenon, or however you say that word. I don't know, but what are you beef talking stew, about? Basically, it's just beef stew. Yeah. It's beef stew, but it's fancy. It's French. It's amazing. Um, mm. super delicious. Um, I'm gonna make like a turkey and rice. It's like a turkey and rice soup this weekend that I'm really mm. looking forward to. Oh, I'm just a soup girly. I mean, I, I tell <laughs> you, I love making soups and stews so much so 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 much um, i slowly get into yeah. them um i wasn't really a soup girly i mean so i'm you're from the south i'm from the north um and i it's it's kind of hard to explain half of my family's from like the deep hills of kentucky which there is a comment to made about that specific region being southern but it's really like it's still mid you know like it's kind of in the middle but i have a weird blend of Pennsylvanian and deep Kentucky foods mixed in. So like I have a lot of Southern comfort and Northern comfort Mm -hmm. and the fall is like when all of that really starts. Like I do make the fall is time for soups, stews, biscuits and gravy Mm, every every damn day. Um, But also like I'm making, I'm making feasts, right? I'm making a whole Turkey. I'm making asparagus. I'm making mashed potatoes. I'm making, you know, like yes, all these things. Yes. Um, and I just love it. There, I really do not cook as much as I should in the summer. Um, our house is mid-century and uh, not in like a fun way, not in a cute way, not like in like <laughs> cute little like wooden tables or whatever. It's like this house holds heat um like nobody's business it's nice in the winter we turn our heat on maybe two days out of the entire season um i do one load of laundry and it's 65 in here no problem and we're we like to be cold anyway but in the summer our house bakes in the sun so cooking in the summer isn't really a a possibility it's mostly grilling so when it becomes less than 70 degrees baby it's over it's Jover. I'm making everything. Anything I can. Mm. I'm so pumped. This is the time of the year I get back into making bread. Because okay. I have the time to and the ability to run an oven at 500 degrees for 40 minutes, you know? I've always um, wanted to, but I never have. I love it. I, I love it. Because I just like bread. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. You're a soup girly. I'm a bread girly. Um, a, oof, I love me some good bread with some soup. I'll make go. the soup. You make the bread. Perfect. That actually would be amazing. And uh, I even tailor the type of bread to the type of food. Like it's very like bread girly ish. Like I love it. And uh, so that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm just looking forward to like some fresh bread and like I, you do chicken and dumplings. I love chicken and dumplings. Truthfully, I love chicken and dumplings, but I make a version of chicken and noodles. That's very similar to chicken and, and dumplings. And it's the sense of, it's not a stew. It's more like, a gravy with noodles and that sounds gross but i don't know how else to explain the texture it's not like brothy like i'm making like a roux and like making chicken like a white roux and like putting chicken in it and Mm -hmm. a bunch of herbs and then a bunch of egg noodles like more egg noodles than soup so is it almost like a chicken stroganoff in a way um i have no idea i don't think it sounds really good i don't know really good stroganoff is uh Oh, okay. I I know what it is. I don't know what it's uh, qualified as. Also, stroganoff is the funniest thing that you could call a, a food. What stroganoff. do you mean? Oh, stroganoff. Stroganoff. 
um but yeah i may i'll have to take a picture and like post on instagram or like send it to you or something but yeah it's just like this chicken noodle dish that's like not really like it's not brothy it's way more hearty and i will make that like once a week from like now until march Mm-hmm. basically because i'm obsessed i'm obsessed it sounds really good and now that we've done all this talking about food i'm really excited for dinner <laughs> me too dude. <laughs> we're only just a little hungry it's fine um but i think that today you might be telling a story that might make me not so hungry yeah i'm probably gonna ruin a couple of appetites here all right so if you are eating and have been eating during this meal now's your chance get your tupperware out put that shit away <laughs> and come back to us <laughs> because it's out october none of these episodes are safe for eating i swear it just always works <laughs> out that way i like making episodes where people can sit down with their headphones eating lunch or when they're cooking or when they're cleaning or whatever these, this is the cleaning these are this is the cleaning season this is cleaning <laughs> <laughs> this is the cleaning and or on your way to work season you do not want to be eating during this don't get a snack maybe a cup of tea if you can drink it quickly <laughs> This is when you ate too much food and you're like, oh, I really shouldn't eat again. Listen to this and you're going to be set. You're going to be taken care of. Because you're going to be throwing up. What? (laughs) (laughs) I was just kind of letting you freestyle there, you know. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. All right. I am very excited for this first episode of October. You want to get into it? I'm so ready. Let's go. All right, dearest oddlings. And my wonderful Serafina. Mm-hmm. Today we are going to visit my home, not my hometown, but my home area, the Permian Basin, located in West Texas. Um, and we are going to talk about the Permian Basin Flesh Pit, otherwise known as the Mystery Flesh Pit National Park. Ooh. So... Let me start off by saying this is entirely a mythos. This is not like you, I can't take my friends to some thing that looks like the worm from like episode six of Star Wars that Luke was almost going to get thrown into. And then R2 does the sick lightsaber thing and the flip happens. It's awesome. It's great. We're not seeing that. Okay, we're not doing Damn that. Damn it. This is, a, <laughs> this is a mythos. It is something that has like, so it started in the summer of 2019. And so this is actually why I, so I moved to Massachusetts um, shortly after like the major part of the pandemic had happened in 2020. And so I didn't know about this. When I moved back, one of my friends, um, a close friend of mine, like made a comment. I was actually telling him about Oddity Arcadia and everything. And he goes, have they talked about the Permian Basin Flesh Pit? And I was like, the fucking what? I have lived here 24 years of my life and had or 23 years of my life and had never heard of that thing. And he's like, the Permian Basin Flesh Pit. He sends me this link to it. Yeah. Well, he sends me this link to this video. And my dumbass, I'm a very, very to a bad degree gullible person i'm like oh have i never heard of this i want to go check it out thinking it's a real thing yeah i'm a little i'm a little slow yeah i'm a little, I'm a little, I'm a little slow <laughs> um, but then it's like i start realizing that a lot of people know about this it's like a very common it's like it's kind of cool because it's like a very well-known mythology in my little hometown that's really fun it is it is and so i went completely down this rabbit hole and so now I'm just, we're going to start, we're going to get into some backstory about how it all came to be, guys. And then we're going to get right into the mythos of the flesh pit. So, 
Trevor Roberts uh, is the creator. He is uh, an illustrator by uh, career. Um, and he was inspired by seeing a half-rotted cantaloupe at the office of an agricultural firm he was working at in the summer of 2019. He says in an interview, end quote, I'm waiting for my lunch to microwave, and I'm looking at this cantaloupe half, all nasty, and I'm like, oh, man, that would look really weird if you were small and standing right on the edge of it. Trevor mm-hmm. took a picture of the cantaloupe and then photoshopped it into a uh, South African pit mine. He then colored it to look really meaty and red, thus resulting in the termed flesh pit. Ooh. Yeah, this led to the birth of Mystery Flesh Pit National Park, a fictional tourist attraction built within the grotesque maw of a subterranean colossus, referred to as the Spermian Basin Superorganism, that operated for several decades before an unforeseen disaster shut the place down over the July 4th weekend in 2007. Trevor loosely played with the idea of the flesh pit, designing it on Photoshop and coming up with lore for the tourist attraction before he fell headlong into deeply developing the project during the pandemic. Much like a lot of things, and the pandemic was a truly terrible thing, but for the artists of the world, for the introverts of the world, let me tell you, it was a blessing. I and miss just, quarantine days, and that's so fucked. much. I, it's super me fucked. Too. I know it is, but like it was, it was beautiful. I never felt more just like comfort in the world. Like I could go out, and I wasn't surrounded by people, yes. and it was just I was. I felt like more free to do things. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It was nice. It was nice. Uh, I mean, RIP to everyone. We, I, Absolutely. I, I lost like, people. I'm sure you lost people, but there, there was something there. There was something cooking. You got to find the happiness in the darkness. And I'm not making light True. of a bad situation, but for someone who's like a major introvert, it was a nice yeah. little thing. It really was. So the flesh pit was originally discovered by West Texas oil workers on May 2nd, 1973. And we find out about this through a letter sent by James Jackson, owner of Jackson Surveying Incorporated. And I'm going to read you that letter. So it is, it's stated to Mr. Colton Fleming, of the Colorado Jackson Surveying Incorporated. The, it's addressed to 709 West Indiana Avenue, Midland, Texas. Can I tell you guys that that address is two minutes from like my high school home? Like the oh, home that crazy. we, it, it made me so, when I saw that I Googled it and I would like squealed like a little girl. Like, I don't know how to explain it, <laughs> but growing up in this boring ass oil town, my entire life, having anything this creative, like surrounding us really has just given me new life. Yeah, that is really fun. It says, Dear Colton, Now you know more than most how I may be prone to hyperbole on occasion, but those Whitmer boys that called on Monday are on to something amazing. I mean really, truly amazing. This isn't any mineral deposit, Colton, at least not like anything I've seen. I went ahead and sent some samples for you and Chris to start looking at. I didn't think you all would believe me if I didn't. This thing that those old boys found is some kind of organic deposit that must go down at least five or six hundred feet by my reckoning. Not a fungus either. This thing breathes and makes sounds, same as any other creature. And it bleeds. God, how it bleeds, Colton. It is a mess out here. John and some of the others think it might be something from outer space. Most of these hombres we brought out to start the excavation call it Diablo de Bejo and are really wary of going... Uh, too close to what we figure must be the mouth of this thing right now i don't think i care what it is or where it came from i'm an oil man and i think we're on to something real big out here 
Once you and Chris start looking at these samples, go ahead and give Lenny a call to send out his crew and make sure they bring at least four excavators. Pay them whatever they ask to make it fast. Also, there's a card in here for a fella in Carlsbad with some pretty heavy-duty spelunking gear. Pay him whatever he wants to get out here by Friday or Saturday. I'll call Beverly to have her put our other jobs on hold for the next three weeks, but you should remind her anyways. We need to move real fast on this. Dale Whitmer already left this morning to find someone in Gumption, so that's Gumption, Texas, to come take some photos. It'll be a circus once that happens. God help us if the feds come and lock it down. There's something about this that's important, and I don't want to see something this special get in the hands of some goddamn game. Regards, James Jackson. Jackson Surveying Incorporated. So, May 2nd, 1973, the flesh pit is discovered. So, following up a couple weeks from that, so August 24th, 1973, we get a second letter. Addressed again to Colton by Mr. Jackson. It says, things are really starting to take off down here. At around three or so last night, we broke a new depth record of 1,800 feet vertical descent from the Maw. It's a damn shame, and other folks are so spooked by this pit. To be down there in it really is something else. Now don't misunderstand. I'm not saying it's easy. God almighty is it tough getting is it tough going getting around down in its gullet and such. A man's gotta have an iron constitution, or a slightly thick skull, and lucky that the good Lord has seen to bless us with both. Some of the boys have rigged up scuba gear and we've been able to squeeze around down there with some effort. Giant muscles, giant bones, entered so big you could drive a trailer truck through. Strange critters scuttling around in the dark down there, too. Big bugs and germs and worms and other queer things that you wouldn't believe. Some kind of crab thing in the sea of a coyote crept out in the sea. Sorry, so this is like written very small. Some kind of crab thing in the the size of a coyote crept out a week and a half, and we caught it crawling around the feed trailer. I got a good look at it before one of Dale's boys shot at it, and it skittered away. We had the funeral for the third roust about to pass away this month on Tuesday. The papers are already talking gossip, more than I like, and I'm hoping that Bill and the other attorneys can keep the vultures and feds at bay. People don't understand until they've seen it and been down inside it, Colton. We are pioneers and explorers here. This is good work. This is God's work. Nobody knows what the mystery pit is, or what it eats, or how long it's been there. We need some guys with real smooth, with real smash, not oil men. Doctors, scientists, good, decent folk who would have nothing to do with this. I'm mighty glad that you've taken responsibility for holding down the fort back home while I'm out here playing the cowboy. You're a good man, Colton. The kind of quality individual that don't they don't make anymore. Maybe I'm hoping I can find some of that goodness myself someday. Maybe down in the belly of this beast. Give Samantha and the baby my regards. Jim Jackson. So those are our first two letters. Any thoughts from that? Um, I have two thoughts. Neither of them about the flesh pit, hilariously enough. The first, well, kind of about the flesh pit. The first one where he says queer things. I just like imagine like the gays. Down there, just like yeah, they're just partying. It's just, just a little partying. <laughs> they're like, we found a weird sack full of GHB, and like, <laughs> what do you mean? Like, what? Um, uh, which is hilarious. Also, I hate the idea of there being like crabs the size of coyotes. Oh, just wait. 
Just oh wait. no. Okay. Well, that's fun. Um, but also, I love the give my regards to Samantha and the baby. Like you look at your baby and you're like, oh, Jim sends his regards. <laughs> I love how he's like, we're doing God's work. I'm we're like, ah, God's yes, of work. course, the divine, the divine, the divine. Well, some type of God, an Eldridge one, maybe, but a God yeah, for sure. Right. Um, so we notice almost immediately that local governments of a local populace as a whole start to take interest in the flesh pit. And I'm assuming with some predetermined government influence that Anodyne Deep Earth Mining Company is able to get the pit sanctified as a national park with all the perks and protections such as the Smokies or Yellowstone. And there's even like a letter, um, quote unquote, written by Jimmy Carter, um, which not entirely historically accurate since you know carter wasn't elected till 76 but it's fine it's cool because in 73 i'm like that is some nixon shit nixon wouldn't make that a national park you know but apparently it was our boy carter so i mean that uh, that tracks as well it all tracks i do love the (laughs) idea of the flesh pit uh going down in 2007 because of a thing like what uh, like what else could bush have had on his plate jeez louise Bush was going through it, bro. Okay. And then a lot of that was self made, but you know. (laughs) A litany of issues, this world and others, apparently. Um, so we find from geological surveys that initial studies give the impression that the flesh pit is some 30 kilometers deep. Um yeah. So now what's what's really fun is we start to get into this, of course. We're in Texas. We're in the United States. They have made consumerism pop here, okay? This is an attraction. <laughs> they are going to make their money. So one of my favorite things about this, and I did send you a picture of it yesterday. Um, they created a mascot because people, reasonably so, were very distrustful about what this was, going down in it. Why would I take my kids there? And they made a little mascot named Caver Coop. And Caver Coop would do videos um, during the 70s and the 80s, very similar to like Looney Tunes and stuff of him just getting up to weird, crazy antics inside the flesh pit. And they'd be like, bring your family to have adventures like Coop did and more. Mm-hmm. And Caver Coop would just tell people how fun it was down in there. Um, and there's this little brochure and it says, Voyage beyond the unknown and behold a wider world of nightmares and dreams. Seek out the sublime corpus of the cosmos made flesh. Gaze into the mirror well of the deep and find answers in noises, in smells, in macabre, and fantastic sights and sounds. All of the old doubt all of the old doubts may return, but we'll be right here with you every step of the way. And when it says visitor information desk located on level five within the lower visitor center. Open seven thirty AM to eight PM seven days a week. And when it's stamped the mystery flesh pits. And there is a uh, picture of our boy Caver Coop with this guy. And he's got a big old grin on his face, and they're just looking at a map and they're just having a good time. They are really having a good time. I I really love this. Also, uh, I haven't made it clear yet in this episode, but there will be an Instagram post in the correct order of all of these pictures um, because it's too fun not to look at. This person is an illustrator who made this, and man, he did really good work. It's really, it's great. 
I will also link them to you in order instead of being disorganized. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I really like this one. The um, seek out the sublime corpus of the cosmos made flesh. Oh, that one hit. I really like so that. so good. I love the gaze into the mirror well of the deep. That thing made me want to like jump over the, I'm like, okay, where am I going? Where am I going? I will say I didn't I didn't say this earlier when you had asked me about the letters because I was rethinking the second one, not the first one. But when he talks about how like the pit makes sounds, like I uh-huh. hate that. <laughs> hate it. Would I if this was real, would I go a hundred percent? But would I hate it one thousand percent? I I hate the idea of like you're just sitting around all of a sudden the freaking Grand Canyon fleshy makes freaking noises. Mm-mm, I don't know about all that, dog. Oh, just wait. It gets so much worse. So then there is this, I just linked it to you. If you want to look at it with me, this is my favorite little. So this is called guys, oddity, oddlings. This is called Caver Coop Spooky Halloween Carnival at Mystery Flesh Pit National Park. Let me, I love this. Let me read you guys these attractions. Okay. Haunted hay rides, pumpkin patch, campfire stories, decorated trails, Gary Petting Zoo, signed liability waiver required. Oh, no. Safe trick-or-treating. Here's the best Good. part. Blood. Oh. Horn oh. maze. Drink okay. special at Chili's 2 and Trader Vic's 21 plus. October 31st, 1992. Admission, $5 for children, 12 and under, $8 for adults. $8 for a nice corn maze, a pumpkin patch, some blood? That's a steal of a deal. Blood. Blood. <laughs> <laughs> i mean look at that picture dude and isn't that just such like vintage halloween like that makes I me love so it happy so much he did it's, such a good job on this stuff uh, it's, it's so, so cute it's so good and this is all um this is all kind of put into the like reddit subreddit world building is kind of where this really took to life and i think mm-hmm. he has his own site now which um seraphina will get the link to as i'm linking her these pictures guys but it's really great it's really creative it's very fun yeah, um, this is, it's so smart. It's just, I really like this. So here comes a part that you're just not going to like, friend. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm um, So I'm going to go ahead and send you this link. Okay. Um, don't look at it till I tell you to, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> Boom. All right. So. Within the flesh pit is a multitude of living organisms and ecosystems. A lot mm-hmm. of bug life. All right. So now go ahead and click the picture. And the one you see right there in the middle, Sarah, is an abyssal sophopod. Um, We find out that they eat people and can grow up to be 20 feet long. 20 feet. 20 feet long. That's too many feet. (laughs) You can also see that. Is that? (laughs) You can also see, so the very bottom, so the very bottom left is one of my favorites, the venomous shamble. It kind of looks like a squid or an octopus with a bunch of poisonous, like, tendrils coming out of it. It has, like, you've seen that picture of, like, the central nervous system taken out of a person? Uh Uh-huh. That same vibe. I I agree. And then, um, let me see this one really quick. So I'm going to send you this one. This is going to zero us in on one of these animals you can find here. Hold uh, on. Animal. I'm not over this 20 foot one has hands. Uh, <laughs> who gave it thumbs? What the hell? It's disturbing, oh, no. isn't it? Yeah, it is. All right. Take me to this next horror. <laughs> so this next one is called the uh, Mesa. I don't even know how to say it. Mesaglial Necessarily a tridecapod. Tridecapod, thank you. 
Though commonly considered a nuisance animal, the tridecapod is a fascinating species which plays an important role within the ecosystem of Mystery Flesh Pit by filtering out potentially harmful blood-based parasites. So, size comparison chart to a human, it's like, God, it's like the size of a small child, you think? or mm. It's 13-footed. So yeah. it's 13 feet. So He's bad. Tridecapods are so named because of their 13 legs, 12 of which are elongated and used for locomotion, with a 13th modified leg-plated and durable cutaneous segments used as a head. These quasi-vertebrates pose no threat to humans, as despite their fearsome appearance, they are non-venomous and passive, tending to congregate around a high-voltage area associated within park infrastructure. And it's got 5G? What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> so but at the bottom left of this little brochure, guys, it has Caber Coop, and it says, Fear versus Fat. Fear. Tridecapods are vampires. Fat. Tridecapods are hemivores, obtaining vital nutrients directly from the organic red blood of the mystery flesh pit. Their specialized mouth parts enable tridecapods to open incisions in coronary arteries with surgical precision, preventing bleeding and infections. And there's more, but we're not going to read all of that. Um, this is crazy. One, okay, I would like <laughs> to say they did all of this so well. And if this was real and I was a child, I would have this. Like this, like. <laughs> Like these were the types of things I liked to read as a kid. Like I had, I had books that were bought from like either book fairs or like half price books or whatever that looked like this talking about octopus, you know, or talking about whatever. Yeah. Like it is so good. Yeah, it's such no, a good job. Awesome. I hate this. I hate every part of this. Um, I mean, I love it. I do love it. This is really fun. I'm. I really like looking at all of this stuff. I hate the idea of it. Uh, I hate the idea that. Uh, the pit can get infected. Don't love that idea. Um, but also, did they at any point try to use this on a human? Because it seems like this could like really do. Some I mean, work. it's never it's never said. Um, they do seem to be somewhat sentient, and I just don't think they have a desire to mess with the humans. You know, they're just kind of. It's just so interesting that they like can like filter blood and they have like surgical precision. Like it'd be nice if like, you know, it would suck to have to like scrub up 13 hands before going into surgery. But like, <laughs> I love this. This is really cool. It is. And so if you'll go back to that original um, picture I sent you with all the gross guys. Yeah. So we're just going to read. Um, there's a paragraph at the bottom. So basically, oddlings, this, this is just listing a bunch of different creatures they found within the flesh pit. And it says, this chart, and many others like it, were produced by the Park Service as an educational tool for use in classrooms, museums, and universities. Popular among natural history enthusiasts, the illustrations featured on these posters were the result of intensive expeditions and surveys into the mystery flesh pit. While visitors are almost certain to encounter common fauna such as the myriad of macrobacteria subspecies, Many organisms, such as the Venus shamble, which is the one that looks like an octopus or a squid, and the abyssal sopapods. What do you think? Copapod? 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 Abyssal sopapod, copapod. Copapod? Tend to evade trails in high traffic areas, making them difficult to spot. And a reminder that the abyssal boys get up to 20 feet long, and they're basically little school buses of death. Yeah, Um, take the wrong turn. 
<laughs> As a practical tool, these illustrations were useful in training wildlife management rangers and proper firearm techniques oh, for safely dispatching a dangerous organism. For this reason, the designers of this and other charts attempted to represent the scale of the organisms in relation to each other as accurately as possible. Well, hell. Uh, the shrieking cloistropod, if you look at the t uh, kind of right next to the Venice Shamble, is just another thing that's terrible. Look at the top. Ew, that looks like a I thing. I'm not going to say what I think it looks like, but as a gay no. man, that's what we think it looks like. <laughs> that's insane. One, how dare you? Two, what the fuck? This thing is crazy. They're all crazy. It's funny <laughs> because I think the bottom part of it looks like testicles. Let me see. Let me see. Like bad okay, ones. I feel you. It's but almost like, like a little, little mix of the worlds. Mm -hmm. I hate it. I hate <laughs> all of this. I mean, I love it. It's so much fun. I hate it. I'm just gonna keep saying that because people think that I'm actually like a post, and I'm not. I think that it's really <laughs> cool. I just also hate it. Like, god, gross. <laughs> uh, so next up, I have a letter titled "Experiences of a Flesh Pit Mine Worker." So, okay. dear Bryce. I'm writing you back about your career report project for school. I hope you find my response satisfactory. It's my experience, and it's all true. I was 17 when I signed on with the company to work a full tour. The money they promised for nine months of work was more than I could have made in a lifetime in any other career. I was a shit-kicking dropout from Hobbs. Most people already know that the real money is made in pumping up ballast, but they have it automated to the point where you only need someone to babysit the equipment. What a lot of people don't know is that there are a bundle of minerals, gels, gases, and oozes that are worth more than their weight in gold for their quote-unquote myriad industrial applications. The big three are blue tissues, pearls, which is uh, in parentheses it says corpusite, and black bone oscurolite, oscurolite? Our rig was outfitted to hunt for pearls, great crystalline spears that were 2 to 15 feet wide, hard as diamond, smooth and clear as glass, with an otherworldly iridescent shimmer. They are embedded in different ways deep down in the pit, and to get to them, you have to cut, trudge, push, and crawl through miles and miles of muscles and guts and cartilage and bone that are fighting you the whole way. That's where we make our paychecks. A full mining crew is 18 men, and yes, it's pretty much always men, which includes two to three mining engineers, a medic, two mechanics, a material tech, two company men to oversee everything, and 10 hired hands like me. You sign up for nine months at a time, split up into three-month stints with two-week breaks in between. Here's a, here's a, a phrase I love. Down in the flesh... Down in the flesh. Your home okay. and lifeline during those dark months is a mining rig. A huge machine almost as big as a neighborhood street, bristling with tools and racks and sensors and floodlights. The insides are tight and cramped. Our crew medic has been a submariner for eight years and had told us that the sub he served on was more spacious. Still, compared to being outside the rig, out in the raw pit, the cramped bunks felt like luxury. Ideally, the rig cuts as it goes. 
leaving a burnt cauterized path through the meat while also crushing and processing any animals it runs through. In the real world, the pit isn't uniform and you end up running into all kinds of obstacles requiring interventional solutions. Or the brass up top decides that they don't want you just cutting through certain parts of the anatomy. So you suit up and get out ahead of the rig to poke and prod and pry at a walking pace. Eight hours a day for weeks at a time. Rigs have big hydraulic arms that reach forward and push, lift, and splay open organs and or muscle bundles before us roustabouts would go in and suck up or hose out any blood, cut tendons, cauterized tissue, rinse, and repeat. Because the methods for finding things like pearls are based on shaky science at best, a lot of the time was spent probing around until you found pay dirt. When you'd find a decent-sized cluster, we'd set up camp and would go about breaking them down. The rigs have a huge mining laser they can use to free up gigantic pearls or blackbone clusters. But most of the time, you're out there with big tools to break them free. Before I continue, do you have anything to... I just didn't want to just keep pouring through you, this. You, you don't want to say. hear my thoughts. Everyone okay. feels the same way I do right now. Go on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my position had been vacated the year before because the hand got crushed under a tissue uh, catchment bucket. Think giant steel wall tray weighing half a ton used to catch slop and other meat before it falls on your working area. And he bled out because it took hours for an ambulance to get out to the location. In the nine months I worked that rig, I had a very a few very close calls to getting crushed. What keeps you from being crushed by the weight of written a little funny, sorry. What keeps you from being crushed by the weight of all of the body above you is a mess of cabling and fold-out frames connected to a fifty thousand pound counterweight. After an eight-hour shift of quote-unquote scope pulling, meaning removing all of a length of an endoscope pipe from probe line, I got a bit careless and was hitching my tongs to the pipe while it was still connected in motion. The idea being that it shaved a few seconds per disconnection and it added up over a long shift. What I forgot is that near the head of the endoscope, the pipe diameter changed by two inches. The rig operator was pulling full speed when the larger pipe came back, and my tongs grabbed the pipe and suddenly launched backwards. I held onto the tongs, and it jerked me a couple feet back, and I let go. The heavy tong cable went taut, and the operator stomped on the brakes at the same time, and the whole thing was jerked to a sudden halt. The huge tackle block was clanging around the whole cavity like a giant ringer in a bell, and buckled one of the support frames. Everybody jumped clear, and we ducked and braced with whatever we could until the rig stopped shaking. It was probably fortunate that we were near the end of the pool, so there was only around three tons of backlash when it happened. Most of the men I worked with had some sort of permanent injury. Lost fingers, blown shoulders or knees, etc. The more experienced, the more injuries. Even in our suits connected to refrigerated air... It was more than 100 degrees and full saturation humidity. It's pitch black everywhere down there, so you rely on your helmet lights, work lights, and the rig lights to be able to see. And they all give everything a sickly shine. Working down there isn't at all like working in a cave or a mine. Everything is wet, slippery, disgusting, and miserable. 
Nothing is flat or walkable, and you have to fight a feeling of raw, animalistic terror every moment you're out in it. Men weren't meant to be down there in the innards of a monster, but I figure that's why companies pay people what they do. I finished up my contract without injury, and for that I consider myself extremely lucky. I took the money and got an education. Most people don't consider it exciting work, but you'll never find a more satisfied accountant. I never went back there, especially after the big accident they had in 07, but there are a lot of stupid kids that still do that, that, still do that kind of work. You sound like a smart kid. Stay the hell away from it. That's my career advice for you. Let me know if you need anything else for your school report. Thanks, Andre Martinez. <sighs> I have two thoughts. Okay. First thought is I am such a hater of capitalism that even <laughs> yeah. in a fake world, it bothers me so much that they're sending people in to brutalize a living thing for freaking pearls, which is a real thing that happens in real life. And it, that makes me queasy too. Um, so I hate that. Hate it. Hate yeah. that. That's awful. Secondly, I, at some point got this feeling of like, is this what our bacteria go through? Hmm. Like, because in, in in the scale of things, there's like humans are so tiny compared to the scale of this being that it's kind of like um, they're they're almost like like cancerous cells, you know, like yeah. brutalizing the body in a way. Like it's very interesting. See, that's why I love doing these things with you because I would have never thought about that. Like that didn't <laughs> cross my mind. I well, I think what got me the most, um, and it's a line pretty pretty early into the description of this thing. I'm trying to find it really quick, right here. Rigs have big hydraulic arms that reach forward and push, lift, and splay open organs or muscle bundles before us rouseabouts would go in and suck up or hose out any blood. Cut tendons, cauterize tissue, rinse and repeat. The the so for anyone who doesn't know what a roustabout is, I don't know how much of like a universally used term that is in the oil fields. That's basically the bitch. I mean, that's really what you're the person that goes into the dig sites, you dig, you lay pipe, you do all the really, really, really hard manual labor, and then the big mm -hmm. guys come in and, and do their little nice specialized jobs. Um the idea of this big machine just tearing through this living yeah. organism, and then all these guys are coming in here like scraping, and like, oh, it's it's, it's so, so terrible. Yeah. It's just awful. It that was the first like that's when I was like, this is nasty. I was like, this is just <laughs> gross. It hurt my stomach a little. I'm not gonna lie. You're not and then, hungry anymore, are you? I sure am not. Um, but then <laughs> that's when that's also when it hit me that it's like these are like they're like cancerous cells. Like they're like going through and like ripping and tearing at your organs, like. Yeah. It's yeah. so, it's weird. Also a weird analogy of what we're doing to Mother Earth. But anyway, keep going. <laughs> well, and it's also kind of, you know, the way, that's how oil money is, man. They will tear mm -hmm. and rip and, and. All right. So next I'm going to, and I'm going to link this to you if you want to look at it with me. We are going to sure. look at a little pamphlet on wildlife safety. All right. And just get ready to be grossed out again. I, I know that's that's the name of the game, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm going to go ahead and start reading. So All right. 
Your visit to Mystery Flesh Pit can be a most pleasurable and rewarding experience, or it can be a time of vexation, distress, or even tragedy. Much depends on how you and your family observe these simple guidelines and, inform and avoid designated hazards. Take a minute to read through these simple but important safety rules, then go on to a pleasant part experience. So, know before you go. All visitors who partake on self-guided excursions beyond reinforced and enclosed trails within the Mystery Flesh Pit are required to attend an orientation at the Lower Visitor Center. During this orientation, a park ranger will inform you about areas that are closed to visitors due to high fauna activity or recent wildlife-human encounters. It is important to be aware when camping and hiking within the Mystery Flesh Pit to avoid wildlife foraging areas, IML deposits, gastric bladders, surface wildlife carcass mounds, etc. Contact park staff to obtain current information on wildlife safety issues. Note, and this is like in red, once inside the greater anatomy of the pit, rangers may be able to assist you, but ultimately you are on your own. <laughs> I love I the fact that they let you just go off and do your own thing. Like, I don't even care. Yeah. They're just like, hey, Good buddy, luck. get fucked. Good luck, so, Godspeed. I two things. One, who wants to camp in this? Go I home. <laughs> and then secondly, surface wildlife carcass mounds. I feel like that's such a throwaway line, but the idea of like Oh, we're about to talk about that. Oh, okay, cool, because that's wild. Yeah, go off on your thoughts, but I can't wait till I get to read this to you. I mean the idea of like I'm assuming, does that mean like this is surface wildlife and the idea of the, this is like deer that have like fallen into the pit? Uh huh. That like the pit is consuming? In, in a way. Okay. Interesting. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so if you actually just scroll down with me, you're going to see, I'm not going to read all four of these. I'm really just going to read the compound surface fauna. On rare occasions, abyssal sopapods and other park wildlife will venture outside of the pit and pull surface animals, such as deer, livestock, coyotes, and rabbits, into the mystery flesh pit. If not eaten by park fauna, these animals may undergo a fascinating phenomena known as anatomical amalgamation. This process, which is not fully understood by park scientists, results in the creation of a compound organism, which is a hybrid of constituent surface animals. No two of these amalgamations are the same, though the resulting physiology often results in similar conditions, such as partial fusing of major body elements and relocation of internal organs to locations on the exterior of the body. Because of the gruesome and seemingly haphazard nature of the combinations, many compound surface fauna do not live beyond a few hours or days from a time when they are discovered. Should you encounter a shambling compound surface fauna, Please do not feed it or otherwise engage in activity which could prolong its suffering. Okay, I did not I did not see that coming. <laughs> what the hell? That's insane. So because it's just a giant body, it's like putting it's like when they like put an ear on someone's stomach. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But it's just like a deer and like something, a coyote. Well, so something about the um acids and stuff and the in the 
makeup of the pit mm-hmm. when it comes into contact with these surface animals it warps their genetic makeup and it like kind of makes their body start kind of growing inside out so like their lungs and heart will fuse and then it'll kind of end up on like their shoulder but on like the outside of their body and it's just really it's weird Does this happen to humans i haven't seen anything that says that um there mm-hmm. is a one thing that we're gonna read that's Related to humans that I'm excited to see your reaction for. Okay. Um. <laughs> um. Right. I do want to, this macro bacteria is so interesting to me because of course I went to that. So I, I read it a little bit and it's so interesting that it's like, yeah, it's, it's bacteria. Like, yeah, they, they resemble microscopic bacteria, but they're typically, they can reach up to 12 feet across. So it's like you're literally they're literally macro bacteria. Yeah. Just like hanging out on the walls of this thing. That's so crazy. And cool. <laughs> I guess I kind of read that and I was like, I don't really understand that. I'm not going to talk about it. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> I mean it's it's literally like, yeah, this thing is so large that you're looking at its microscopic bacteria, but to you it's macro. So like it's right, crazy. It's massive it feels, to us. But okay, it, I see now. Yeah. It feels like uh like we're on a field trip with the frizz. Now on the field trip with the Yes. You know, like <laughs> like like she's gonna come around bopping around in her little planet dress and pull us on her little magic school bus and take the take us out the asshole of this thing. Like this is crazy. Agreed. <laughs> this is so much fun. Oh my gosh. Um, so we're just going to scroll down to where it says basic safety tips. I'm just going to read the first um, the first little if you see flora. We're just going to read that part. So it says, if you see flora or fauna within the park and it does not appear to notice you, back out of sight and change your course. Move okay. out of the area <laughs> Move out of move out of the area or quietly observe at a safe distance without approaching or otherwise disturbing it. Disturbance is evident whenever wildlife changes their behavior because of you. If it stops eating and looks up, slash raises its antennae, secretes scent enzymes, or begins making territorial clicks while trying to locate you, you are too close. You so do I'm not assuming... have to worry about me, dog. <laughs> <laughs> you do not have to worry about me. Yeah. yeah, I'm assuming because they are, you know, in the depths of this pitch black monster these mm-hmm. things don't operate by sight they probably operate off of like hearing and pheromones and stuff like that and so yeah it's, it's interesting to think that they're not really seeing you they're smelling you they're tracking you they're probably tracking like the heat your body's giving off and just it's just oh it's creepy wait there's a line here in the second paragraph allow migrating bacterial colonies to pass by your camp undisturbed like yep. the idea of like you're just chilling in your camp and it's just like a giant herd of bacteria. Like, oh my God, that's crazy. It says after that, if you have made sure that the wildlife is aware of your presence so it is not surprised and have kept all of your gear under direct control, allow any organism you encounter to travel unhindered. You may just be afforded the opportunity to safely observe these amazing creatures in their natural environment. Ah, yes. <laughs> yeah 100% the natural environment like we're disturbing yeah exactly (laughs) hello many life forms surface fauna (laughs) yeah fuck that many life forms within the pit have extraordinary senses of smell and depend on phosphoproteins within the fluid in order to survive 
Some will attempt to hunt you if they smell strong concentration on your persons or equipment. Holy uh, yeah. shit. <laughs> I mean, I guess, is that like due to... Uh... Oh, I'm sorry, because in the first paragraph of this other section, it says, in areas with damage to amniotic bladders, minimize the amount of fluid that contaminates your gear and clothes. So, like, if you get squirted on by this thing, dog, you are now a target. You're a target. Yeah, your lunch. That's crazy. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> All right. Is this? The, oh, this is the one I'm so excited for you to read. Oh, no. We are moving on. Also, I would just like to say I will have this linked. This website is so good. Like he, oh, he's yeah. done an amazing job. It's wonderful. So next we have oh, Circus the, Clown Chimus. Geo I heard the Discord. Feature. Oh, sorry. I will edit You're myself good? out there. I heard the Discord notification. My stomach hurt a little bit. I knew it was coming. <laughs> All right. Okay. Circus Clown Chimus. Chimus? It is no laughing matter. So oh, no. it says, though what? it may look like a color. What's up? Sorry, I just read the first sentence. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> though it may look like a colorful ice cream birthday cake covered in a glazed frosting, this calcified formation is anything but festive. In 1976, a group of performers accidentally fell into the no. upper maw of the entry orifice, while mm. the soft flesh of the pit throat somewhat cushioned the performer's fall. The unexpected dilation of an epiglottal fold allowed them to slide down into the then unreinforced area of the pit. Rescue personnel were able to locate the performers inside a digestive sack a few hours later, but by that time, all 50 stunt people had already begun being digested by the pit. Rescue personnel cut them out, correctly guessing that many were still alive. An experimental antacid, antacid? Antacid. antacid spray was discharged on top of the gooey, shrieking mound, but it was too late. Instead of reducing the acidic effects on the partially digested bodies of the performers, the experimental compound flesh calcified into the multicolored formation that you see in front of you. Though hauntingly beautiful, the circus clown chymus is a somber reminder of why it is always important to observe all safety instructions and to always stay on marked trails while visiting the interior of the flesh pit. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> no <laughs> and That's I mean awful. there's not too much to say about that uh, other than what the fuck dog just really fucking disturbing that's so crazy and then underneath it just says informational placard from within the pit yeah I know also, right also this sentence while the soft flesh of the pit throat <laughs> shut up that's, that's what I try to tell those straight boys bro but they don't always they don't always <laughs> Oh, it's I just, so crazy. I just read this and I just go hauntingly beautiful. Hauntingly beautiful. That oh, is so man. crazy. Though it may look like a colorful ice cream birthday cake. What covered in a glazed frosting? But that glazed frost and then they just left it there. I mean, yeah, bro. What are you gonna do? Mine it out? I don't know. I think but, they use it as like uh Yeah, they, they do. You know, an Education. example. Yeah. But yeah. that's crazy. It's just 50 people just all gooed together. 
I agree. Um, so here is next one I'm about to send you. This is actually my favorite entry of the whole thing. I just think it's super neat. Um, okay. So I want you to know, and I'll probably actually send you the link of my Google form for this one, but I I put the links and then I kind of put a little notation of what each one was talking about. Okay. For these two, it said disturbing and then also disturbing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's really all I had for it. <laughs> well, so far, checks out. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let me send you this one. All right. So, geobiological feature, well of the abhumans. Okay. The well of the abhumans is a name given to a unique fluid duct that was discovered in the early 1980s by work crews installing telecom lines within the Mystery Fleshpit National Park. The relatively small tube was notable in that it was comprised of tissue types previously unencountered, serving a role in a then-unknown anatomical system within the pit. Once the duct was cut open and the upper duct was sealed, it was found to be saturated with formaldehyde. After a mm -hmm. few hours of slow descent, a bladder-like organ was encountered by an explorer, which was filled with a dense sponge-like tissue. Additionally, there were, discovered, there were discovered the bodies of three unidentified mammals in a severe state of decay, but otherwise preserved by the formaldehyde. Though the proportions and musculature of the bodies initially led investigators to believe that they were human remains, additional investigations revealed musculoskeletal features wholly different from any known humanoid. Later, radiological dating of bone samples from the bodies indicated a startling disparity between the three corpses. One was dated to the 10th century AD, one was dated to over 35,000 BC, with the final specimen having bones entirely consisting of a dense plastic polymer. Mm -hmm. As you peer into this well, please do not deposit coins, trash, or other foreign debris inside. Certain materials may damage or discolor the concrete walls surrounding the open duct. And there's a little picture of a guy throwing <laughs> trash into a basket, and it's got like the no circle. That is crazy. So you said a humanoid earlier. It's hominid. Oh, my bad, my bad, my bad. Which, no, it's fine. They're just different things. So it's not saying that it's different from any humanoid, you know, humanoid of like something that's like humanoid-esque. It's not a hominid. Like it's not from us. Okay. Like we're a hominid, you know? So it's like, it's not okay. us. It's not apes. Like this is, it's like the missing link is in here. Really? Okay. Yeah. I thought Ooh. it was just neat because, like, uh, how far back this thing goes. They found a right. corpse from 35,000 BC. Right. And that's probably, that's wild. So it's like, this is, it's literally so old that, like, it's not, it's from before, like, our, our turn in evolution was even done. Like, it's, the, it's like the missing link is basically what they're saying. It's like in, it was just in here. When it says, um, the final specimen having bones entirely consisting of dense plastic polymer. What uh, what are they getting at with that? Like there was a time in which people were made with plastic polymer. I don't. I mean, I don't the only I... assume and uh, the final specimen having bones entirely consisting of a dense plastic polymer. I it like the entire skeleton was made of that is weird and i don't understand if it, like it, a robot um or if like some bones if like that was like what they used for like hip replacements i don't i'm not I sure i don't know it's but, weird uh, 
I'm more it's... and more convinced that this is the giant um, worm thingy that Luke was going to get thrown into because yeah. that happened a long time ago in a galaxy right. far, it's far Boba. away. It's Boba. It's Boba Fett. <laughs> he actually made it out of the pit, I guess. So never mind. He did, didn't he? Yeah. Good old Sarlacc. So we have one more biome to look at. So we're going to look at a biome, and then I'll go ahead and I'll wrap this thing up. All right. So... We are going to look at the anatomic thermal springs. I'm sending you a little link. All right. Ooh. So first off, <laughs> relaxation and rejuvenation. Located deep in the warmer crypts of the Mystery Flesh Pit National Park, the Am Amina... Please help me here. Amniotic... Thank you so much. Amniotic thermal springs are renowned worldwide for their delightful effects on mind, body, and spirit. First discovered during the early exploration of the Mystery Flesh Pit in the 1970s, the amniotic thermal baths were one of the earliest draws to the park. Many people traveled across the country to seek out the mystical properties or mystic properties of the healing baths, which were rumored to heal ailments and cure diseases. Many others calling them pleasure domes, Enjoy mm -hmm. the aphrodisical effects, aphrodisical effects of the amni amniotic fluids. Today, this tradition continues for modern bathers who use the springs medicinally or recreationally. Um, love that. So, first off, top left of here, we see it has bath hours. Sunday through Thursday, 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. Friday through Saturday, 7 a.m. until 2 a.m. Closed during federal holidays. Prices. Locker rental. $5 every two hours. So bottled water. $12.75 for 16 ounces. And a $22 hand towel when available. Damn. Texas? I'm crazy. As we scroll down, there is just this wonderful description. It's so creative about like these baths and their their um, function. So... Each individual like thing is kind of noted. So if you look kind of towards the bottom, there's a thing called the Lover's Squeeze uh, Eustachian Passage, and it's called a libido bath. Mm. There's a bathhouse. There's a thing named a main bath. Um, this basically, if you're not going to go look at the pictures, it looks like a collection of cysts that yes. are like cut yeah. in half so you can see what they look like on the inside. And it's it's bad. <laughs> it's not good <laughs> so to the left it says uh, access to the amniotic thermal springs are included with your entry pass to the mystery flesh national park though visitors should be aware that lockers towel rentals and private bath reservations are all available for additional fees in order to safely enjoy the baths there are a few rules and regulations that we ask you to observe in order to protect and preserve this national resource for future visitors number one Please stow all personal belongings in the provided lockers within the bathhouse. And number two, please enjoy the full contact benefits of the amniotic thermal springs by not wearing or bringing any outside fabric material into the baths. The fluid ballast of the mystery flesh pit is a delicate anatomical system, which can become easily agitated by synthetic clothing dyes and plastics. Please utilize the provided showers before and after enjoying the baths. Doing so prevents contamination of the baths and trail infrastructure within the Mystery Flesh Pit. Please do not disturb any structural, electrical, or mechanical infrastructure in and around the baths. Bathers under the age of 18 are welcome with an adult guest or adult guardian. 
please do not claim or reserve lounge chairs. Uh, and then whatever, whatever, right? Just other stuff. Um, another really great thing, there is a like graph which is titled Springs Potency. And I guess it kind of like each individual, like um, each individual fist, kind of the way Seraphina mm-hmm. described it, has its own level of like, I guess, how it's going to affect you, right? Mm-hmm. So the main bath, you're pretty chill. There's a thing called the Regia bath, you're pretty chill. The latest bath, you're chilling. The Gracia bath, you're chilling. And then there's this green dotted line, and it says visitors are encouraged to consult a physician before entering baths below the green line. And then we have like three different baths there. And then there's a yellow line that says visitors are encouraged to consult a religious, mystic, or sexual wellness counselor before entering baths below the yellow line. And this libido bath is like rocket. I mean, it is so <laughs> far down on this scale. Um, it's it's hilarious because it's like, is this ayahuasca? Like, it feels like they're like contact a shaman before you get in here you're gonna need it yeah it's great you're gonna be fucking like crazy um (laughs) are you gonna keep reading across this i don't think so i don't think too much of it's too uh, relevant i have to read this one yes absolutely um so it describes the fluid and it's like, though it's commonly called the amniotic fluid, this semi-opaque, slippery, luminescent liquid produced by these organic thermal springs has little in common with the fluid produced by pregnant mammals. Because that's ambiotic fluid. Uh-huh. Um, park, geo- oh, park geobiologists use the term ballast as it is theorize that the fluid is produced by the mystery flesh pit as a way to regulate the endocrine systems of the super organism. So in my head, when I said it's like cyst, I was going to say it's like ovaries, but I didn't want to say it was like ovaries because my ovaries are covered in cysts. So this is what my ovaries look like. Uh huh. <laughs> like That's basically what it is. Like you, these are hormone baths. So when they say you have to go to the lobito bath and you should probably see some before them, that's because you're swimming in horny juice. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. <laughs> you're just Which is ho- like soaking it's crazy. It. It's um, also there's, yeah, I, there's something that one, when we started talking about this, I 1000% thought I would see TikTokers of today. You know, like the, you got to wake up at 7 a.m. And you got to <laughs> yeah. hit your two mile run. And then you got to get into the mystery flesh pit and soak in the, the virus <laughs> bath for at least 10 minutes. And then uh-huh. you'll feel the effects. Like, that's what this feels like. Like one of those like wellness guys would definitely be in here like ruining it for everybody else. Um, but also it says during an emergency, the bathhouse facility is designed to act as a reinforced shelter. So that's nice. It, it Yeah. Love that. You know, just in case something crazy happens, which something crazy is already happening. But if something crazier happens than what's already going on, don't worry. You're safe here. It's, Love. it's just wild, dude. Um, so I'm going to bring this to a close. I am going to, uh, so I did send you a link for another biome that it's really interesting. I didn't really feel like the need to talk about it too much, but I figured if you want to include it, um, with any Instagram posting, I'm just going to read, uh, a short few paragraphs about the very 
vague incident that caused the shutdown of the park. Thank God. I was sitting here wondering, like, when are we going to get to 2007? <laughs> yeah, and then I we'll... I know. We will the kind of... Southern Bronchial Forest. Oh, I'm yes. already... I'm going to hate it. <laughs> Go off. Go off. All right. No, no, I'm, so I'm just going to... I sent you that. Like I said, you can include that in the Instagram, but I'm just going to read about the end of the park now. Okay. So... Final incident investigation report. Uh, at 9.41 p.m. CST on July 4th, 2007, the Permian Basin Superorganism Nat- Natural Preserve experienced a catastrophic disaster, which resulted in over 750 fatalities and oh. over 1,800 major injuries. Oh, shit. In the weeks following the incident, approximately 18,000 individuals from the surrounding communities sought medical and psychological treatment for ailments including breathing problems, chest pains, shortness of breath, nausea, birth defects, hallucinations, depression, anxiety, internal bleeding, sore throat, and headaches as a direct result of contact with a gastric ejecta which had been introduced to the atmosphere. Investigators have concluded that this disaster was chiefly characterized by a premature geobiological consumption event caused by the catastrophic failure of a critical park infrastructure to constrain and limit the gastric, motor, and neurological actions of these superorganisms. Investigators have concluded that the failure of these critical safety measures are the direct result of negligent practices by the primary site operator's contractor, Anodyne Deep Earth Mining, a subsidiary of Anodyne Incorporated. And uh, yeah, that's really it. It's just because he does so well at selling this, it's just like a little like in-depth thing about like legal terms and like the fda and it's really creative but it's not relevant to what we're talking about here so so wait what exactly happened some kind of let me see exactly what they so the mining company fucked up the mining company fucked up and neglected to keep some kind of a an upkeep on some kind of equipment that was keeping um says a failure of critical park infrastructure to contain and limit the gastric motor and neurological actions of the superorganism. So I almost wonder if like did the organism like fight back or something? Like I don't Yeah. Yeah. That's what it I mean, sounds like. I mean it sounds like Well, you said the gastro? Yeah, so it says a gastric ejecta, which had been introduced into the atmosphere. So it it basically was a chemical that made the pit throw up. Is that what happened? That's what it sounds like. A gastro ejecta. Gastro is the stomach. Ejecta would be expelling, throwing up. So it sounds like this thing convulged and then threw all these people up. That, I mean, that does make sense. It basically needed like Pepto Bismol. And then those who didn't die probably got burned by the stomach acids and stuff. That's why they have all these terrible side effects. Which is kind of funny because the clown uh the birthday cake clown mixture nonsense terribleness <laughs> yeah yeah they yeah. sprayed it down with an antacid which is yeah. like a pepto or like a tums um basically and that didn't work so like clearly it has some different type of stomach acid that you know that had so so yeah it like had an insane backup and had like acid reflux and That's it killed crazy. 750 people <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my gosh, that's so wild. Yeah, and it's the fact that it says uh, 18,000 individuals from surrounding communities sought treatment because of, guess, whatever, I guess this giant burp or whatever you want to call yeah, it that basically. got released into the atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, basically, or like the acid that got released into, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, man. it makes sense. <laughs> right yeah, it does die. it i mean it, but but then i wonder one, like if it had been there for such a long time wouldn't it have been burping i mean yeah well yeah but that's the situation right is that capitalism exploited it to a point it was no longer sustainable it's very true which is kind of what's weirdly it's climate change within but a giant that, mystery beast i was so 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 excited to bring you this story that is the mystery flesh pit national park and of course there's lots of like if you like if you have this website there's lots of little tiny tidbits here and there that you can look at and fun little brochures and posters and just it's it's cool it's really fun it um, is so much fun yeah and you didn't cover some of the things like you sent me this like the bronchial force is so interesting too it's basically like it's lungs right like and and that's the scenario and like they talk about how the climate with the climate changes that like people aren't allowed in there because it's not, like they they really go really deep into this it's really cool definitely check out the website because this does. is so fun there's a thing called project freefall which was a joint u.s soviet expedition into the mystery flesh pit oh my god yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's a thing called the lower visitor center and it's labeled the gateway to the deep <sighs> There are right. so many pictures. Yes. Like, there's so many pictures. There's so many brochures. Ooh, I hate the pictures of, like, people, like, the tourist pictures <laughs> of, like, people inside <laughs> it. There's um, Q&As with, like, little fun things in there that are really interesting. This um, is so much fun. Also, um, I'm going to post this. There's this guy that looks like Ed Sheeran. Like, what? he's just, like, standing in one of the tubes. Here, I'll send you the link. It's kind of funny. Like, Ed Sheeran in, like, the 70s. Oh, I see what you is it he's wearing like the blue shirt and the yeah. khakis. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. This is so cool. Like what a what a creative thing to have happen here. Yeah, I think it's so neat. I guess it's really great. I love mythos. I love when people just come up with their own stuff. But then the fact that this guy, Trevor, let me get his name exactly, Trevor Roberts, put so much effort into like making it very realistic, making it believable. He's such a great illustrator. All these little things he's created. The fact that it's centered around my little home area is just is really makes it fun. that much better. Yeah, it's yeah, awesome. That's really cool. There, that's so much fun. Uh, also, if we're listening, if anyone's listening who's in production, uh, the the license and the IP it's still up for grabs. Make a movie about this. It'd be so much fun. Um, <laughs> There is some video games I saw online. Roblox has a flesh a flesh pit level. You can like go in the flesh pit. The what? The flesh pit in. How did you say that so well? This whole episode, I really want to commend you for because that because I've been saying it so many times that it's kind of <laughs> flesh pit. I keep wanting to say fesh pit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, this is really cool. Yeah, he talks about on the website. An official mystery flesh pit video game is still being discussed. In the meantime, please check out the excellent uh, Roblox experience created by Bobby Studios. It's one of the most comprehensive realizations of the pit ever made, and it's the closest thing to visiting the pit that exists. That's very cool. I didn't. I did see the thing about the video game, but I didn't see the Roblox thing. That's very neat. That's so much fun. Um, they have so many like videos. Oh, they've done such a good job with this. Definitely go and spend time on the website and also buy the merch because the merch is really cute. 
well, he's going to make um like a tabletop game, kind of like uh like a D and D through yep, the flesh exactly. pit. I um, love that. And if we get that, can we? We're gonna do an episode of us playing the flesh pit game. That'd be so fun. I am gonna link you this picture. It's uh, Southern Baptist. Nope. Uh, Baptist Convention denounces exploration of the mystery flesh pit. A foul tunnel to Lucifer himself. Love buried, that. but buried by the Almighty, enjoyed by the damned. <laughs> <laughs> Not the satanic panic hitting the flesh pit. Like, come on, oh, dog. Man, it's so much fun. Wait, this is so cool. This is so much fun. Sanctify. Baptist conventions denounces yeah. exploration. Yeah. Oh my God. A foul tunnel to Lucifer himself. Amen, brother. I'm bathed in his blood. I'm not going in there. <laughs> Could the Texas superorganism be the beast of revelations? Maybe. Possibly. Socialist yeah. origins of National Park Service. I can't. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> That is so Barry funny. Goldwater had something to say about this. I just know. No. Hold on. Top rabbi. Products made from mystery pit resources are yep. not kosher. Yep. I mean, they're not. Hilarious. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for bringing this to my attention. This is so much fun. I, As the first episode of Oddity Arcadia, this hit the nail on the head. This is exactly what we're going for. This is beautiful. That makes me happy. I'm really glad you enjoyed it. I'm like, I had so much fun going down this rabbit hole. Um, was super, super excited to be able to teach myself about it, teach you about it, teach all of our oddlings about it. And you know, oddlings, if ever in the future you're sitting around your office and you're waiting for your food to heat up and you see a half rotted apple or, or maybe some noodles in the trash that, you know, spark the imagination Take a picture of it. Go to Photoshop. You never know what you're going to create. And as always, stay out, Arcadia. Oh my gosh, this was amazing. You liked it? I loved it. This is so Yay. good. I'm so happy. Wasn't it so much fun? That's so cool. I love when people do this kind of shit. Oh, it makes me so happy. It's so creative. Art is alive and well.